This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Jonathan Prendergast is a clean energy project and procurement advisor with extensive experience in development of innovative projects and contract structures. As the Technical Director for Business Renewable Centre Australia, he is leading a revolution in corporate investment for clean energy driving monumental growth across the sector, resulting in significant financial, social and sustainability benefits for the nation and setting an example of sustainability leadership on the world stage. Welcome to the program, Jonathan. Great to be here, Anthea. Jonathan, with the net zero commitments of federal and state governments supported with targets on renewable energy generation and $150 trillion of infrastructure projects planned for Australia in the coming decade, what does this look like for the renewable energy sector? Yeah, there is a lot to do. Um, Developers are busy getting their projects ready, uh, so their investment ready, ready to be financed. There's a big contracting market, lots of construction contractors to build the high voltage networks, build the solar and wind farms. We now see more battery projects, large scale battery projects under development, as well as pumped hydro projects. So everyone is very busy uh, developing, financing these projects, ready for construction and operations. We're currently sitting at around 30 or 40% supply from wind and solar. It depends on each state. Uh, South Australia have more like 60 to 70% renewables whereas Queensland and New South Wales more in that 20 to 30% range. The state and federal policies have set net zero policies for 2050. But in the short term, we've got the federal 43% emissions reductions target, and that translates to 82% renewables by 2030. So there's a lot to do um, over the next eight years. We also have coal power stations closing. So Liddell Power Station in New South Wales closes this year. Araring is scheduled to close in 2025. So not just uh, renewable energy and emissions targets, but we have real energy supply targets to meet. Those uh, coal power stations have to be replaced with new forms of generation. The cheapest way to do that is new wind and solar backed by storage in comparison to trying to replace them with other coal power stations that take time. We will see gas power capacity around that's used when wind and solar is not going. The more wind and solar and storage we have, the less that gas power generation just sits in standby rather than generating and not causing emissions. We also see huge corporate commitments to renewable energy, the likes of Telstra, Coles and Woolies, each of them around 1% of our energy market as large customers have all committed to 2025 being 100% renewable. And this is the field of work that I work in with Business Renewable Centre Australia, helping corporates sign power purchase agreements to fund new wind and solar farms and add new renewable capacity into our grid. So what are the challenges ahead for the renewable sector as these large-scale projects come to life? Yeah, there are different challenges really in each state. Uh, In South Australia, we see 
up to 70% renewables from wind and solar with not much storage, but good connection with Victoria where they can buy and sell from Victoria. Tasmania is already 100% renewables. The bigger challenges are in Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, traditionally uh, supplied by large coal power stations and they're nearing retirement. So we have to build wind and solar as quickly as possible. The market need is there now. So the challenge is getting them physically able to be built and also able to be financed. And there's a few different challenges in each state. New South Wales really ran out of places to connect new wind and solar farms. So we've seen a bit of stagnation in investment, development and construction of new wind and solar farms in New South Wales. To counteract this, the New South Wales government is building renewable energy zones where new transmission is built and it's shared amongst a whole swathe of new wind and solar farms in each area, starting with the central west north of Dubbo in the Arana Renewable Energy Zone and many others under development in Armadale in the north, the Hunter around traditional energy generation areas, the Illawarra and so on. This has been replicated in Victoria and Queensland as well. Um, who don't have such an urgent need with coal power stations retiring, but will in the near future. And these renewable energy zones take time to develop. So they're getting started now. We're also seeing offshore wind projects being proposed. If those renewable energy zones can't be developed in time, they're great candidates to supply large amounts of renewables. One of the other challenges is the finance of wind and solar. These are capital intensive. That means most of the costs are upfront. They're quite cheap to run. So you're committing large sums of money. Uh, you need to be sure that you will get revenues that can pay back that investment and pay off any debt finance, any loans that have contributed to funding the project. That's where large energy users and large emitters are stepping in, uh, likes of BHP and Aurora signing large-scale power purchase agreements that shore up the revenue for those wind and solar farms. So they can be financed, they can get loans from banks, they can get investment from large funds and finance these $50 million, $400 million projects. And there's a perception by some that the ever-increasing drive towards renewables will present challenges in managing the grid. What do you say to that? They certainly provide challenges. Uh, there's no escaping that, but they're just problems to be solved through uh, energy market adjustments, engineering challenges. So building things like large-scale batteries, pumped hydro is all possible. We do it with engineering. We do it with contracting. It's all possible. It's a matter of getting it done. So getting it financed, getting it approved and getting it done. So these are engineering challenges that can be overcome and I don't underestimate um, Australia's ability to do that. So another challenge is the overabundance of renewables at certain times. We're building a lot of wind and solar, and sometimes we even see in South Australia, rooftop solar alone meeting 100% of demand. And this is, means that renewables are going from being an environmental initiative, but becoming a real mature, grown-up source of energy where they can supply 100% of demand. And that comes with more responsibility. So. We're solving that. The obvious one is through battery storage. At those times, we are also see wind and solar stop their output so as to not oversupply the system. And sometimes we're seeing networks take control of even rooftop solar systems to dial them down or switch them off 
at those overabundant times. It's actually world leading work being done in Australia to manage these risks and we're disseminating that information globally from those learnings. Just engineering challenges that need to be solved, some that have come up a bit quicker than expected, but nothing that can't be overcome. So with all that in mind, can you share with us the role of Business Renewable Centres Australia? I work as Technical Director for the Business Renewable Centre. Our role is to help corporate Australia procure renewable energy and help fund new wind and solar capacity into the grid. It really all started where the likes of Google and Facebook in the US started signing power purchase agreements with new wind and solar farms to help them get financed. At the time, they were addressing social license concerns of the energy use of data centres, that it may threaten their social license, they might come under criticism from the media for using so much power. And they looked to go beyond just buying renewable energy certificates to how can they really create impact, get new wind and solar farms built. And this really unlocked a new model for corporate sustainability and how they procure renewable energy. At the time, the Business Renewable Centre was formed to get all that know-how and expertise from those early adopters of corporate America and disseminate it to everyone else. So now it's real commonplace for large corporates in the US, the likes of Walmart and Microsoft, to be 100% renewable by signing contracts that help new wind and solar farms get financed. We brought the Business Renewable Centre over to Australia four years ago using a license agreement with Business Renewable Centre in the US to adapt all their tools and guides and primers to provide these to locally to Australian corporates. So our, the key thing we do to support corporate Australia doing this is to provide that know-how. So what is a power purchase agreement? How does the energy market work? How do you run a procurement process to get a PPA? How do you negotiate one? And even how do you manage that contract once it's in operations? We do this through training. We have boot camps annually where we get 15 potential corporate PPA buyers coupled with 15 experienced buyers so they can really build those internal networks, get that peer support. Because for most corporates, they know uh, their core business, but understanding the energy market hasn't been a priority for them. It's just a bill they've had to pay in the past and not too expensive a bill historically, but now things have to be more actively managed. They've taken more interest in how they manage energy and their market risk in energy. Are you looking for a digitalisation and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalisation and net zero journey. Visit binzero.com to find out more. So let's just drill down a little bit more into the power purchase agreements. How do they support decarbonisation of the electricity grid and the environment, economic and social outcomes? To reduce emissions in our grid, we simply have to add more wind and solar capacity into that grid. Um, existing wind and solar farms are limited how much they can generate by their existing design and construction and how much sun and wind there is. So it's important to 
support the finance of new renewables to decarbonise the grid. Bringing in more wind and solar means we're using less coal, burning less coal and gas in a general sense. And that's what reduces emissions and it reduces the whole supply chain, does it? All those products and services we get that use electricity, they get decarbonised by doing this. We're entering a phase over 10, 20, 30% renewables where wind and solar alone can't do it. And we do need to support that with storage as well. Although we can see in South Australia with quite limited storage, they've been able to get uh, 60 to 70% wind and solar supply. What's really unlocked the potential of PPAs is there's not just these sustainability benefits to the corporates, but there's financial benefits. So they agree to a fixed price of the generation of the wind or solar farm. And that might be say 60 or $70 per megawatt hour. And in return, they get the wholesale revenues that those wind or solar farms uh, earn in the, in the wholesale market, as well as the LGCs, the large scale generation certificates, which are a form of renewable energy certificate. So they sign these contracts at a fixed price for 10 or 15 years. And this provides them a, a hedging benefit. So they pay large electricity bills. If the wholesale market goes high, their bills go up. But if they have a wind or solar PPA, they start to get revenues from that PPA from the high wholesale revenues. So when their bills go up, their wind and solar helps offset some of that cost. If their bills go down because wholesale markets are, go down, they'll have to actually net pay money to the wind or solar farm but at least they're hedging their overall energy market risk. Their high bills are no longer so high and their low bills um, aren't as low as they would have been without a PPA, but they've managed that higher cost risk. And it also secures pricing for renewable energy certificates. So if they commit to 100% renewables, they have to buy enough uh, renewable energy certificates to cover them annually over the next 5, 10, 15 years. They're just buying that for the spot market. They might be paying $10 one year and $60 the next. This way, they're securing long-term at a fixed price, those renewable energy certificates. What we're also starting to see corporates do is meet some of their other corporate sustainability commitments through these PPAs. There's a couple of examples in Australia, like Bowman Solar Farm, which has a PPA with Westpac Bank. Um, in that project, they're investigating the use of beehives to continue biodiversity in that area. And the co contractor Beyond had a very progressive strategy for employment for the construction of that solar farm with employing long-term unemployed local Indigenous workers and more women in construction as well. And working on a solar farm for six, 12 months getting all the training certification can be a really good leg up for someone that wants to work in construction, that they've got this six, 12 months of experience, they've got all the certificates needed, they can move on to other solar farms or other roles in other construction. And now the corporates are trying to seek out opportunities to do this with their power purchase agreements. Just getting renewables is great, but what other benefits can we get from this new industry that we're creating? And I think Salesforce in the US were a real leader on this where they released a report more than a megawatt. So what opportunities are there and how can corporates get more benefits out of their renewable energy power purchase agreements than just renewable energy? Some of these other benefits that they're trying to achieve in their business.
And so aside from driving the major focus on PPAs to support infrastructure projects, how else are BRCA supporting the corporates in Australia? Yeah, we also help developers um, through events and boot camps, understanding what corporates are seeking in wind and solar PPAs. We have regular webinars, both on the topic of PPAs, but also beyond that. So what's happening in hydrogen? What about net zero? What are the best ways to get impact in your net zero commitments? We also have a bunch of tools, guides and primers that are accessible to our members. That includes things about how to do accounting, for power purchase agreements. We even have a template for the CFO pitch deck for corporates um, and also request for proposal document. So they can just download these templates and use them to help them on their projects. And it's a really successful model. It means that wind and solar developers and investors don't have to be on the pavement of Melbourne and Sydney drumming up business and find themselves having to educate the corporate what a PPA is and how the energy market works, we can do all that education and give them confidence to go to market and sign these contracts. And we're seeing, it varies each year, but around half of wind and solar farms that that get finance are the result of a corporate PPA. So it's very impactful work and has been a key to Um, us getting from 10 to 30% renewables over the last, say, five years. That's quite a fantastic achievement in a very short period of time. Absolutely. Now wind and solar is viable. Uh, We really have the tools we need to rapidly transition to renewable energy. So for Australian business, solar is now somewhat mainstream. What trends are you seeing in renewables yeah, solar's mainstream. A lot of us have rooftop solar or have know someone that has it. It's become more familiar. We see a lot of commercial rooftop solar, so um, not just rooftop solar in a house, but going on businesses, factories, bakeries, warehouses, and so on. We're also seeing more battery storage included. So everyone probably knows a Tesla Powerwall at home, but this is becoming commonplace on commercial solar projects as well, where they include a battery. The battery helps soak up some of that midday solar, um, meet peak demand, and even provide other services. Like if there's a challenge in the grid, the battery is sitting there and can respond quickly. And there's markets set up where you can get paid to have your battery on call for, for grid events. If a coal power station trips, the batteries, this whole fleet of batteries can quickly discharge into the grid and and help balance supply and demand in those circumstances. And there's also innovation happening in the PPA space. So normally you sign a PPA for 100% or a proportion of the wind and solar output, and it's kind of just run of plant. When it generates, it earns revenues and the money's transacted. We're seeing retailers now offer products which simplify it for some large corporates Rather than getting involved in project development and finance and sign a complex PPA, you can sign just a typical retail offering, peak shoulder and off-peak, and get your renewables in that way. And we're seeing BHP have recently signed a large-scale PPA with that includes from a wind farm with Neoen and battery, and that's being termed as a 100% 24-7 PPA, where at all times, they're just reliant on that wind and battery to manage their market risk because it's, it can be called upon. And there's not those periods where 
the wind isn't generating and you might be able to pay the higher wholesale price. So it's great to see this innovation happening and that can see maybe corporate PPA starting to support battery storage more and more rather than just wind and solar. So what does it take to successfully procure a renewable energy solution? I'm very keen on them to go straight to signing a PPA, but my counterparts at BRCA and all our learned consultants in the field will say, well, first you have to understand your baseline. So where is your organisation up to? What are its objectives? To do a lot of internal stakeholder consultation to brief them on what this all means, get their early feedback to help shape what you're going to do. You don't want to go to market too early without fully understanding where you're up to in terms of energy, how much you use, how much you're spending, what do you have in different sites, what's maybe on the horizon in the future, and also not consulting with your finance department, legal department, and getting their input to shape what your objectives are before going to market. Then it's about building a deal team. So who internally is going to be your champion, who's going to run the day-to-day deal, uh, running the tender and all these things, and having a team of consultants that are experienced to support you on the financial analysis of the various PPAs, uh, legal team to help you through um, the PPA negotiation as well. And beyond the initial procurement, what about the ongoing management? Yeah, it depends on the deal really. So some deals are more with retailers and that's more like managing your your typical energy bills. Luckily, um, these deals go for seven, 10 years, so you don't have to retender them every two to three years like you normally would. So that's a benefit. That said, it's important not just to switch to renewables and let it be, even with a retail PPA investigating storage and managing your demand so you're not consuming energy at high price times and trying to be as efficient as possible. For power purchase agreements directly with wind and solar farms, they come with some complexities. They use what's called derivative accounting, so it gets their accounting and treasury teams quite excited about how that has to be accounted for each year. You often have to stay in touch with project owners Have there been delays in commissioning it? Is it generating as much as it should? Are all the bills correct each month and these sorts of things? So not quite set and forget and obviously learning all the way as you go. A large part of the work often is about external stakeholders and communications. So if you're a university, for instance, your students want to know about the solar farm that you've contracted with, might want to go and see it marketing and comms teams in corporates want to know how to make the best of this so yes it's not a small task at times there's a lot of interested parties in a good and a challenging ways as well so certainly some complexities to consider and once again the role of the business renewable center australia is definitely there to help navigate those waters absolutely we're here to help we're a phone call away for many of our buyer members and we get lots of those sorts of phone calls We also love building the whole network around this space. So often we're connecting a buyer with someone from a a similar organisation that's done a similar sort of contract so they can help those peer-to-peer learnings. You can only hear so much from a consultant or advisor at times. You need to someone that's gone through the whole journey and roller coaster themselves and have that peer advice. That's really crucial. 
So we're coming to the end of our time together now, John. When you think future about the industry, what is it that excites you the most? I think that the thing that excites me most is everyone's thinking big now. Not just big projects, but it's not 100% renewables anymore. It's 200 400%, 700%. So we're all just getting to work and getting these projects done and getting deals done so we see more finance and more construction of projects. It's going to be a lot of wind and solar, battery storage, pumped hydro, and then we have EV charging is becoming a growing demand for renewables as well as hydrogen on the horizon that's in the early stages now, but there'll be some big projects to soak up all that wind and solar power so we can build more and become a renewable energy superpower, making aluminium and other manufacturing renewable that we can export around the world. Well, John, it's certainly great to hear some success stories when it comes to reducing emissions. So we thank you very much for participating in our Think Future podcast and we wish the Business Renewable Centre Australia all the best in driving change through corporate Australia. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.